Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Wasp Report. My name is Alex Chinnery. I am joined as ever by Rob Sutton. Rob, how are you doing? Yes, we're both fit and well, which is more than can be said of uh, of quite a few of the Wasp lads. Um, but I do, it's been a while since I've seen a game like that. Even even without the injury, it was it was it was a remarkable game and throw in some uncontested scrums and you know and you know, Wasps losing four players, it was Mind you, it was the game the Premiership badly needed after a pretty dodgy weekend of one-sided games. Um, but uh, but what a result, and, and it could prove huge by the time we get to round twenty-two. Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, the result's fantastic. As a Wasp yeah. fan sitting rewatching that game, the heart, the courage that they those players showed to really just pull themselves right back into it, and it was our young, it was the young core that sort of did that. You, you had your Joe Launchbury and, and players like that as well, but it was Jack Willis, it was Tom West, um, it was those types of players, Dan Robson, who I thought had a, a good game for, for the time that he was on the field. It, those kind of guys really led from the front. And I think it, it showed a lot that when they scored the Tom West try, you know, the, in the run-up to that, there, were, there was a massive carry from Jack Willis then a massive carry from, I think, from Tom Willis at that point. And then Tom West picks the ball up after having a massive carry earlier in the move and, and dives over the line. So, you know, seeing this young core be the really the reason that Wasps are in a, better, a much better place mentally than where they were 12 months ago is really, really a delight for, for me as a fan and I'm sure for you as well. I also want to stick a word out for Malachi Fekatoa, who has been nuts since the, since the return, but he didn't really do anything flashy at the weekend, but in Wasp's good moments, rewatching the game back yesterday, he just pops up there. He might be doing something silly, like keeping the tempo going by stepping in and playing, playing scrum half and making sure that his pass off the base of the ruck is in a perfect position, you know, or making a crucial bone cruncher of a hit when Bath are in their 22 but they've got an overlap and it looks like they're about to break down the down the side down the field against Wasps and I just think he had a, a really really good game as well so I was I was just really really pleased almost across the board yeah I, it was a part you, the only thing you could fault was the first 10 minutes uh, when uh, which which is which is starting to become a bit of an issue um but apart from that um I agree on Fekatoa and it shows as well when you actually get him involved in the game, Wasps are a better side because I reckon he touched the ball three times against Sale in the defeat last week in the midweek round of games. They just, for whatever reason, just didn't get him involved in the game. I know that it was tough conditions for that game and bizarrely we found better weather at the wreck, which doesn't happen very often um, and a better pitch. Um, but but there was, there was a crucial moment where Fekatoa turned the ball over about 10 minutes into the second half, just before Wasps scored their try, um, McConaughey had taken a high ball and, and, and looked for all money. That he, you know, if they went one more phase, they'd have scored. And I think that turnover, coupled with Wasps getting the first try of the second half, was crucial. I think if, if Bath, had, Bath had gone in front 16-13, then if it had gone to 10 points, that would have been a long way back, I think. Um, even for a team that showed as much heart and courage as Wasps did. But as, as well as that, to go behind late and then come back and win it a second time effectively with the penalty try, um, 
it, it, it's 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 a huge result, and you know it's it's a game they wouldn't have won in February, let alone twelve months ago. Um, and it just shows the belief that Lee Black has and the rest of the coaching staff, in fairness, has inst- has instilled. And I, I don't know if you heard Lee's interview with BT uh, after the match. Um, Richard Blaze basically asked every forward if they would throw into the line out virtually none of them said no and virtually every one of them said no apart from Simon McIntyre <laughs> um, which is why Dan Robson ended up throwing in um, but the interesting thing is they do actually have a, a, a backup hooker who a guy who can throw unfortunately it was Thomas Young who'd also gone off so um, so, <laughs> so it sounds like Thomas Young can throw in in emergency situations but he was obviously another one who could who went off so um so it was just it was just one of those games where you, you, you almost saw watching it as a, as a fan from home and you'd have seen it if we'd have been allowed in. You just almost saw the belief drain out of Bath. It was it's bizarre. And when your team is doing that, you sort of know it's a, a special win. And um, I think Joe Launchbury's called it one of the best of his career. So that's that's all you need to know, really. Yeah, I mean, I want to throw it back quickly. We're going to talk a lot more about this Bath game, but I do want to touch quickly on the Sale game. Um, Wasps got punched in the mouth. They, I don't know if they weren't expecting it from the team that Sale put out or whether Sale are just that physical aside, but Wasps got, they got punched in the mouth. The best way to put it, they got, their momentum was just halted early on in that game and they just couldn't quite recover. Now, you know, Jacob Umanga didn't have his best game at all at 10. And I thought he struggled. But what was really disappointing for me is that no one else stepped up in that moment to take on the responsibility against Sale. I mean, when you've got a 22-year-old fly half who's in his first season of starting at premiership level, he's going to have games where he struggles, where he doesn't play very well. And you know, I expected someone like Gopher outside of him just to step up and keep things moving a bit better yeah and and it just didn't happen and I think that that was the real area that worried me about the sale game and worries me going forward is if Wasps come up against a Bristol in the semi-final or an Exeter in the semi-final and they're able to stop Jacob having a, a premier game where does the the creativity, where does the, the go forward, where does the marshalling of this team come from? Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with any of that. I think Sale had a very good game plan, uh, you know, to basically come and make it make it a, a bad game, effectively. You know, d- dig out a result. And they'd obviously had an absolute bollocking from Steve Diamond for their first two games as well, which, you know, I could imagine it'd fire anybody up. I mean, you know, if, if Steve Diamond told told me I, I was playing rubbish, I'd play better the next week, even if I was playing against Wasps. As a Wasps fan, you know, he's he, he's he's not everybody's cup of tea, but he certainly knows how to fire up his players, and um, and they did that. And obviously, they've gone and thumped Bristol's reserves since. Um, I think also with that game, Ben Curry took took our back row out of the game almost almost single handedly, and you know, John O'Ross is. It's a bit of a cheap shot merchant, but he, he did his job very effectively in that game as well. So, but the pleasing thing is the slight tweaks that Blackett made to him. I thought Ryan Mills had a cracking game starting on Monday and it just offered something a little bit different. Maybe something Bath weren't expecting. 
I wonder if Bath were planning for Umunga and Gopeth at 10 and 12, thinking Wasps wouldn't change much. So they throw Mills in there and then brought on Gopeth with 20 minutes to go when the game needed calming down effectively because Gopeth came on virtually straight after Wasps scored that try with Tom West. You know, I think Mills showed his worth um, and showed why he's going to be a very good addition to this squad. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, looking at the sale game as well, Wasps got on the wrong side of Craig Maxwell Keys early mm. and it then didn't level out later in the game. You know, he gave a lot of penalties early, both ways, but more against Wasps than he gave against Sale. And then later on in the game, when Sale were trying to kill it as a contest, he didn't give the same number of penalties Wasps way. Yeah. And that was that ruined any chance Wasps had of winning. Because you, you look at this game, and the, there were three penalties difference in the game. Wasps had the ball on Sale's five-meter line when they decided to tap and go rather than kicking the ball into the corner, um, going with the line out and, and driving more, which was dominant in the yeah. game and could have easily got them seven points because Sale had already sacked two or three before that, although it looked unlikely with Maxwell Keys as the referee. And I just there, there were some decisions that were made. Yeah. It, it just wasn't the finest hour for Wasps and for this team. But for them to come out and put a statement performance like they did against Bath is really, really pleasing. That makes me think that this team can go and win a semi-final because in, when the chips are down, when you have had a, a real sort of momentum-stopping loss like the sale game was, rather than just turn it down and sort of limp away against Bath with everything that went against them, they came out and they won that game and they won it with a, a really gutsy, a huge, really gutsy performance. And that is something that we should be praising and we are praising because it, that is what gives me a feeling that they can go and win a semi-final. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's twice now since Lee got the job, they had a shocking afternoon at Leicester came back six days later, put 60 on Saracens and then they had a, you know, I didn't think they played badly against Sale. They just had two or three moments where they, you just thought, what the hell, that tap and go penalty incident. If, if was I think it was 9-6 at that point. They got turned over and the game went to 12-6 almost virtually, pretty much from the next phase of Sale possession. It, you know, the tap and go seems to be an absolute fascination of teams at the moment. I still quite haven't, haven't quite worked out why. I don't know if it's to do with the new breakdown interpretations but you're seeing it a lot more um since we've come back mm. uh, you know two or three weeks ago um and, and then yeah to come out they, they dug out a, a win at bar you know we'd have taken anything you know a losing bonus point wouldn't have been the worst result in the world for wasps they could have done yeah you know, winning it's obviously fantastic but you know you were going into that game thinking bath on a bit of a roll wasps off the back of a, a loss you know just get something because if, if Bath had won that game and Wasps had got nothing, it you'd have been looking at a five six point gap to the top four with still Saracens and the top two to play. And you're thinking, mm. and now all of a sudden it's right in your own hands. And if I could throw some st stats out, the normal number of points you're looking at for fourth, roughly in the, in the last 10 12 seasons, is 63. That's normally 
what gets you in a wasps. That would mean wasps would need 17 from where they are now from five games. I mean, Saints got in last year on 59, so it might be a bit lower this year. I reckon you're looking potentially at three bonus point wins might might do it from here. I know they've got some tough games, but you know, it's really put destiny in their own hands. I think that result on Monday. Yeah, I mean, five five games remaining now. Obviously, the trip. Um, to Saracens this weekend. We don't know what kind of side Saracens are going to put out. Uh, I'm, I'm, having heard Mark McCall after their game on, they played whenever they played London Irish. I'm a bit concerned that it could be quite strong. Yeah, I mean they've got some big games coming up though. They face Exeter after Wasps, and then obviously they have the uh, the European game to think about. I I'm also a little bit worried they could go full strength and. If they go full strength, it's their tune-up game for Leinster and yeah. we get battered. Yeah. But I can also see them thinking they don't they, they won't want to lose that Exeter game. No, that's a very good point. There are there's probably not a game on the calendar again except maybe against Quinns that matters more to them than that Exeter game. And especially this year. Yeah, after all that's gone on with it uh, with everything and yeah, I just, I'd be worried if I was um, Saracens. Obviously, they face Sale as well midweek um, in between the uh, the Exeter game. So yeah, they, they've got a chance possibly to rest some players um, midweek against Sale. But yeah, who knows what they're going to do. I, I think they'll go strong against us and strong against Exeter. And I think Wasps could be in for a really tough game this weekend because they're going to want to come out and put in a good performance this weekend, I think. Well, as well, you know, the, the coaches aren't going to... those. Uh, to be honest, those who were involved that evening at the Rico, quite a lot of them aren't at the club anymore. Um, but, you know, Mark McCall is not, he's not the sort of bloke who forgets when a team's beaten up Saracens in one fixture. You saw that when they beat Harlequins a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, they got, they got well beaten at, at Quinns earlier in the season and then they came back... Um, two or three rounds ago and beat them quite comfortably. Look, you know, Wasps have only ever won once at Allianz Park and that was obviously that game where they scored 60-odd points and I think they've barely taken a point out of the rest of them. So if they could, if they can get anything, I think, this weekend, I think, I think that's a, a good result. Going into back-to-back home games, that if we win both of those, if we can beat Leicester and beat Bristol... I think things do look particularly rosy for the for the top four, particularly particularly they should beat Leicester at home, um, and Leicester play Leicester play Northampton on the Sunday after they play us. So, you know, you you don't need me to tell you what Leicester Northampton means, even with no spectators in the ground. You know, the Tigers' policy seems to be one week strong, one week not. I know George Ford came on this week, but you know. Realistically, I think Wasps should be, t- and if they are a top four side, they should be putting Leicester away at home. Yeah, that, feel, that feels really weird to say that. By the way, <sighs> they're a top four side; they should be really putting Leicester away. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you mean. I really know what you mean. I mean, I expect them to um, rotate a fair bit for the Leicester game. I think, um, I think they'll go strong this weekend against Saracens, the strongest side they can probably put out. Um, even, yeah. on a, even on a five day with a few of those, a few of those bodies going. To... Maybe, maybe they'll rest a few. But, but my only con- my only concern is 
is, is actually not Saracens as such. Uh, the pitch, because how many times have we seen Wasps go to Allianz Park and get, get an in, you know, Jack Willis, prime example. And that was just part of my thinking that they might hold a few. Maybe Willis is one of them um, for this weekend. They, they do Back row, they do have some options. Obviously, a hooker, we, we all know now that it's, it's going to be one of Tom Cruise or Alfie Barbary, um, I would imagine. Um, I think they might rotate Imago, possibly. Give Ben Velicott a game. Down, down. I think went eighty minutes this on Monday. Um, so I think that I think it'll be. It's probably going to be. I don't think you'll see fifteen changes this weekend, but I think you'll see. No, you probably will. We rotate. probably will see five or six. Um, yeah. The Willis one is interesting. Whether they hold him on in this game, I think had Thomas Young not got injured, you'd have probably seen it. Now I think with Young likely to be available for the Leicester game. I think you might see Willis played this weekend um, as long as his knee is okay to play on those types of pitches. Yeah. Um, Probably the first time he'd have... I, I don't think he's played there since that. I, I don't think he played there last season. I think I seem to remember Dye not picking him for that reason. Yeah, possibly. I, th- I think he's played at Worcester. Though. That's a, uh artificial pitch. So... Um, yeah, I'd still, I'd still think that um, there's a a real possibility that um, that he plays this weekend. But yeah, there'll be there'll be some um, some rest and rotation. I want to talk about Tom West because this is a kid who really was quite unheralded coming into his time this season. Hasn't really seen a huge amount of Premiership playing time, but we've we've backed him consistently as someone who's talented on this show. And I think he really showed just how good he can be in this game. I think having the scrums go to uncontested was a benefit for him because that is his weakest area, in my opinion. But saying that, before the scrums went uncontested, he was there on, in tight head position and Wasps won three or four penalties in a row before, mm. before that decision. I Will, think Will Stewart in particular was under real pressure at scrum yeah. time. Before, before they went uncontested. And I don't particularly buy the theory that Wasps only won because of the uncontested scrums. Look, it was, a, it, was, it was a benefit for sure because it meant the game was more open. It meant that Wasps' fitness, which for me, I, I think possibly along with Exeter, they're the fit, Wasps are the fittest team in the league and Bath are not. Bath mm-hmm. rely on that. You know, we saw that in their midweek game against Saints where they, they really slowed the game down and basically just frustrated the hell out of Northampton who I know are struggling a bit at the moment but even so 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 while while it helped Wasps I don't think it was decisive um and as you say you know we've we've backed Tom Weston said that this this guy should be playing well that was only his second premiership start which considering it feels like he's been around for quite a long time sort of on the bench and things like that um if, if I was on BT Sport, I would have been awarding him the man of the match, as well as Jack Willis did play. Um, I thought I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, I really, really thought he was very good this week, and um, really the type of performance that we keep seeing from these youngsters that are coming through. You know, the the guys in the academy have done a wonderful job in recent seasons bringing some of these players through, whether it be among them, whether it be. Uh, Willis, both Willis's look pretty pretty decent. Um, obviously, 
Jack is a bit better than pretty decent at the minute. But um, Tom West coming through, even you look at someone like Will Stewart, who came and played really well for Wasps before moving on. And I think the future's bright there. And I think over the, the course of the next sort of 10 years of, of Premiership Rugby, where the competition should be um, more even now that the the salary cap is out there, it's in the open and teams are hopefully being monitored a little bit um, better than they have been in, in the last 10 years. Having Getting contributions from players at, at certain positions from your academy is going to be massive in, in winning the title. Um, I think having been able to bring players through at, at seven in the front row, in the... Um, at nine, you know, at 10, it just takes so much pressure off and you can just then sprinkle in a little bit of stardust. You know, you can sprinkle in a Malachi Fekatara at 13 because you're not having to go out and spend on a, a number one starting fly half. You know, obviously we've got Lima Sapwanga there. There's a lot of money on that in that deal. He was brought in to be the, the number one option at, at fly half. But once his deal rolls off the books, Wasps can look and, and they can say to, to Malachi, you enjoy living here? You enjoy being part of this group? Stick around. Mm. They can say to Jack Willis, look, we're going to pay you market rate so that you never leave this club. Because <laughs> someone like Jacob Umanga is still off. He's not quite got international recognition yet. You know, he's not quite at the level where they need to be paying him superstar fly half money yet. Mm. He'll get there and I think he'll get there within a few years. So, you know, that window of juggling things around is potentially small. But at the same time, if you've got a guy that's come through your academy and stakes at your club, he's always going to earn less money there. You know, we all know it. If anyone who's got a job knows it. The best way to increase how much you earn is to jump and change companies. You never get the same money by sticking in the same place all the time, which is why you see a lot of these players often move around. But if you can keep and bring players through your academy – Keep them, um, keep them around. You're going to save money, and you're going to be in a better position for the salary cap. Mm. Yeah, and if all else fails, we can just buy them houses and businesses and win a couple of titles that way, and then not have them stripped from us. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, the future's bright if you can bring the players through your academy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and this is one of the I, I, I get yeah in in these times you've got to look you've got to look for the positive. This is the one advantage I suppose of, of the compressed schedule is, is teams are forced to see if these guys are any good if this, if this game had been played in April and all at Twickenham as originally planned I don't think Tom West makes probably makes a 23 you know um, but because of the situation we're in uh, you know the number of games and Willie's got to play um, you know these guys are getting a chance and you know you might end up looking back on the, this sort of run of nine games or however many we're, we're playing between now and the end of the season, I think that was, you know, a real, a real development for these players. It almost in a, in a not as negative in the league table way that Dye's first season at Wasps was when they were forced to play the likes of Daly, Launchbury, Sam Jones, Christian Wade, Billy Monopola, et cetera, you know, because they had nobody else. And, um, yeah, it's it's great, and and what's pleasing as well is 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 there's an identity again, because when when Cipriani left and you know, Larue had gone and 
although all the, that sort of team broke up very quick, the team that reached the Prem final broke up really quickly. There, there was a bit of a sort of loss of identity, I think, through most of last season and the first five or six games of this. But they're starting to build their own identity, which is, if it's on, we'll, we'll entertain you, but we're not going to do anything stupid unless you take a quick line out in the second minute. Um, but but that's, that's, for me, a, a difference. Because I think, you know, I think I put it out on our, on, on our Twitter during the game on Monday, with about three minutes to go, we were sort of, we, we had the ball in our own 22. And I have flashbacks sort of, you know, someone getting charged down or, you know, trying to go for a miracle pass in the last minute and losing the game. There was never, there was never a hint that they were going to do anything stupid. I just had a, a flashback to a very wet, cold, windy evening in Galway where we tried to do exactly the same thing and got turned over Yeah, uh, and lost that game on a bad refereeing decision. In the yeah, end. yeah. But, um, but, but that's, that's the difference, I think. Yeah, we don't, it doesn't happen now. And it, I, and, and it happened, happened against the Saints as well. They got themselves in front and you didn't think that they were going to blow it. You know, two or three seasons ago, even if they were four tries in front, you thought, well, if, if the oppo score next, you know, they could be on here. Um, so I'd be interested to, to see, I don't know the stats, but Wasps' win percentage from when they've been in front with sort of 20 minutes to go this season must be pretty high. Because it's most of the games we've lost, we've lost because we've given ourselves too much to do in the second half. Yeah, I, I would agree there. Um, yeah, I, I think that... Um... Some having Jacob among it, I, I I can't really speak highly enough of the job that he's done this season. I think he's so important to that identity. The fact he doesn't seem to get phased on the pitch by being ahead and being under pressure in that way. Mm. I think we have seen that some of the negative pressure gets to him if the team aren't on the front foot. He can struggle at times, but you'd expect that of a 22-year-old fly half. But his kicking game is so good. His ability to just keep the pace up, to play on the front foot, to make really, really smart decisions. You know, there were a couple of times, it's him and Dan Robson, both both are really, really good at it. You know, for the West try, and I'm going to keep, we'll keep coming back to that because I think it was just a fabulous bit of play in so many different areas of this team. And we saw so much of what makes this team so good because the what's get the penalty in a position where almost every other team in the league is kicking to the corner and in any other any other game wasps are probably kicking it to the corner from there but dan robson knowing that they don't have a, a line out they can rely on taps and goes makes 20 meters they put a little kick in force bath to kick um kick back to them again yeah, it's still it's still, the ball's still flying around. They have a couple of offloads. It goes out into touch off a bath hand. The person who's out there picking the ball up is Jacob Umunga, who immediately spins a quick a quick line out out. But I think what really impresses me here, one is that it's Jacob Umunga, the twenty two year old, who's making that decision, who's seeing that. But it's when you then flick to the next picture on the screen, and all of Wasps premier carriers the back line with Mills Fekatoa is there Willis is there um, whoever was on that wing I think it was Kibarigi on that wing they're out in a perfect attacking formation 
almost as if they expected it to happen. Mm. Yeah, they read this. This team seems to read the game so well at times, and it's it is a small group of them that do it, but it, they're in the the important positions, and it makes such a difference. Matteo Minozzi, when he came on, reads the game so well. Doesn't hasn't really caused a lot of fireworks, but at the same time you'd have to really struggle to find out where he's put a foot wrong this season. Yeah, I don't think he's made a lot of a lot of errors, if any. No. At fullback. And it's so... He might not have the ups that Villy LaRue had when he was here, the very few ups that Villy LaRue had, but he has, he has no downs. He doesn't have the stupid errors. And in a team that has other players to court to push those ups, Minozzi has been a fabulous signing to bring in. Another one that just works really, really well in this group. And eventually, he, and he has done some things that have looked magical. And eventually, there are going to be other moments where he just unlocks a defense and he goes, or we see him making some fantastic high ball catches. It's going to come off and he's going to settle and he's going to do that. But it's the fact that even in his first year in, in Coventry, he hasn't made those errors. There hasn't been the miscommunications. There has, he reads the game really, really well. He doesn't try to be overly flashy. He just does what he needs to do really, really well. And for a guy where English isn't his first language, to work all that out in your first season, phenomenal signing. And just uh, so many of the team are like that now. And it makes, it, it makes them so hard to play against. Mm. Uh, Absolutely. I definitely think Bath found that. You know, Bath, they didn't have that special something that Wasps had in attacking areas as well. Uh, the, the Wasps' defence was fantastic throughout the game. I'm not, I'm not trying to put down Wasps' defence, but I do think that Bath didn't test them as much as it's kind of looked on TV. It was a lot of physical effort. And at times, that would have beaten Wasps in the last few years. So a massive kudos to the guys for standing up and stepping up and, and stopping Bath. But I didn't feel like they had a player that could unlock Wasps' defence with a little bit of magic. No, and to be honest, having seen a fair bit of Bath this season, I think that would have been a fair assessment for them for most of the season. Um, I, you know, Anthony Watson's been injured for a lot of it. There were a few moments that you, you saw from him uh, during the course of the game. I think he actually sidestepped Marcus at one point, which I'm sure has gone down well. In Marcus's home, but um, but they're they're missing that the sort of Cockner Seeger and Rocket Aguni on the wing. You know, if, if, if I think McConaughey's a decent player, but you know, I think Wasps after the first try, I think Wasps kind of worked him out, and basically Kibariggi marked him out of the game. And I'm, there was a point that was made on the TV coverage. Have you seen the ground Kibariggi makes up on kickoffs? I've never noticed this before, but on both, sides, on both sides of the ball, he is phenomenal. The amount of ground he makes up. There are a lot of people being, a lot of names being touted as potential England wingers ahead of this Eight Nations tournament. For a bolter name, Zach Kibariggi should be in that discussion. Especially if, if you're going to include McConaughey in that discussion, you have to include Kibariggi as well. Because yeah. the, two of them, the two of them faced off and Kibariggi didn't have a chance to really take a try. 
in that game. McConaughey did, and he took his try, and he did well. But for the rest of the game, there was only one player on top in that battle, and it was Zach Kibariggi. Mm. I think he shows a lot of the aspects you need to be an international winger. He's really, really good in defence. He is great, a, a real weapon on kickoffs, and when he gets opportunities, he takes them. Yeah, which and means he had. If we want him to get picked for England, we better move on swiftly because <laughs> you took a player up for England. He's got absolutely no chance. But but you, you've got a view. I presume England are going to go on tour next summer, providing all is well by then. You know, various players are going to be the regulars are going to be in South Africa. I would imagine. I think there's definitely an opportunity then. I do wonder if the eight nations or whatever it's going to be this autumn is going to might come too soon for him. And we might be looking at next year. But if he ends, you know, he's got a chance of being the top try scorer in the league this season. Um, I think, I don't know, I haven't looked at the stats from this weekend, but he, he was right up there when we restarted. So, you know, if you're going on that, you've, 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 you've got to give him a shot. But yeah, really good signing. And, and we kind of mentioned this, that he was underused by Newcastle. And I know they had Sinotti and they'd only gone over but they must be thinking that that's one that slipped through the net there, I think, up at Newcastle. Yeah, I, I think so. And I, I just think, because no one's mentioned his name, yet he's playing really, really well, which is why Eddie might take a flyer on him. That's a, yeah, because yeah, I think cause Ollie, Ollie Thorley got four, I think, this weekend, which, which has brought his bandwagon back. To yeah, the but four. Ollie Thorley was playing against an under-16s team. <laughs> For fuck's sake, Leicester is so bad. <laughs> Gloucester still nearly lost. I know. <laughs> yeah. I think you could have scored a couple of the ones Thorley did. Yeah, and I can't fucking run anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I do like Thorley. I think he's a finisher. I think Kibarigi's a better all round player at the minute. Yeah, he's, he's good defensively as well, which is good defensively, good under the high ball. And that's what you need at international level to pair with some pretty good attacking uh, attributes. He might not have the the full Oli Thorley attacking game quite yet, but the rest of it is really, really good. Mm. And we saw with that break that he made, he's got pace and he's got a step. And I just... They should have scored from that. I really, I really think he could be in with a shout. And... Yeah, I don't. I, I don't watch as much rugby as as I probably should to make competent England squad decisions. Um, but I've watched this kid play, and I, I think he's he's fantastic. You know, I don't watch a lot of the other teams a lot of the time. Yeah, unless it's, if it's a good game, I might go and rewatch it if it's um, if I've not caught it live. But if it's a shit game, I'm not really going to rewatch it. Um, but yeah. I, Getting, like to stage, getting to a stage now where you waited so long for rugby to come back, and now I've decided there's too much. I, I think I think the Watford game was the only one I watched live this weekend. So. I, th- I think a lot of what we saw this weekend is the future. Should an eight-team Champions Cup persevere, and should uh, ring fencing come in? Yeah, I'd, I'd be I would be surprised if the eight-team Champions Cup is expanded beyond this year. I think this is an exceptional circumstances because they haven't got as many weekends to play it uh, this year. So I, 
it seemed from the statement e EPCR put out today, it seems it's going to go back to six for mm. season. That'll be 21, 22 season. And I agree with you. If ring fencing comes, you know, it's, it's like the Pro 14, basically. That's what it will turn into. Uh, you know, you'll, you'll see, you, you'll get wild result, wild mismatches, as, you know, where teams have got different priorities. And, you know, if, if, if Wasp if Wasp was still in the Challenge Cup and not challenging at the top of the table, we could quite easily have been doing what some of the teams have been doing. You know, like Worcester beat Harlequins and then basically sacrificed their game at Exeter and got thumped. Yeah, and then I think Worcester will give yeah you know, Worcester will give Bristol a good go on Friday. I'd have thought because um, I think there's a bit of niggle between those two. Um, so, so yeah, I. Yeah, I, I think we've kind of all resigned to the fact ring fencing is probably going to happen sooner rather than later. This this sort of the, the financial side of the pandemic is probably going to accelerate it. But I, do, I don't see the 18 Champions Cup happening permanently, um, mainly because no one's got a clue how the fuck it works. <laughs> I mean, that, that is very true. I've not had a chance to look through it, or I know um, there's a couple of the national journalists that have given it a good go uh, yeah. in terms of working out how it works, and I'll probably read that later. But um, Wasps are going to make it this year, which is quite nice um, to have some premier European away trips, whether we're allowed to go or not. Who knows? Um, well, if, if crowds if crowds are allowed back in, it's a decent it's a decent bit of the old, on the revenue and the TV money from that will be very handy as well. So um, off the field, they'll be absolutely delighted with that. I think they'll. I think the the playing it in an eight week block like they are will be something that comes and becomes the norm because mm. I think it's how this tournament works best. I really do. Um, well, didn't but, they? Didn't they play the year? The year Wasps won it the first time because of the World Cup. I'm sure they played the group stages that year in in a six week block. Then they broke for the quarterfinals. I'm fairly certain that happened. Quite possibly. Um, I, I can't remember that that granular detail of the season. Um, but if you do want, if you do want to, I know that the the DVD of that season is on YouTube. It is, I've seen it, yeah. Um, well worth a watch just to see Lawrence Delalio at the start in the shortest pair of shorts I think I've ever seen in my life. The greatest bit on that video, on the season review on YouTube, is uh, is a young Pete Nuttall. That's the, uh, yeah. That's the highlight. Yeah, if you, uh, Pete, who does the, uh, the match day announcing, if you don't know already, on uh, for Wasps, has been with the club that long for one and two presents it as a very uh, fresh faced yeah. bright haired young man um, in one of the best wasps training kits of all time <laughs> a royal blue black and yellow number which was phenomenal and should have been a shirt it really should um, but yes we're getting we're getting waylaid as usual Um so a good uh, a good recovery win against Bath. Um, big games coming up: Saracens, Leicester, Bristol. We've got the Quins game, which I don't know if we've had the rearrangement confirmed yet for the Champions the Cup quarterfinal weekend. But I'd imagine that's when it will be. 
yeah, 20, 26th, 27th, I think, is the Saturday and the Sunday. There's, a, there's an outside chance it could be the Monday night of that week. Because yeah. the cup finals on a Monday night, which Quins are in. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the reason the game has been postponed, is because Quins are in the Premiership Cup final um, the day that that uh, Quins Wasps game was due to take place. Um, but I think from these five games, they have to get three wins. Yeah. Um, I think you, know, you have to win one of the Saracens and Bristol games, ideally the Bristol game, to take points away from them. Uh, winning against Leicester and Quinns is a must. And then that Exeter game on the, on the 4th of October is going to be a bit of a free hit. You'd imagine that Exeter will have already confirmed top spot by that point. And then it's just about, you know, maybe they rest some players and maybe if Wasps need to win, they can pick up a result. I can't see if Exeter are facing Wasps, Wasps need to win to confirm their top four space, that Exeter rest players and potentially give Wasps some momentum going into a semi-final game um, which would be a week later, I believe. Be, so, particularly if they, particularly if it look, if Wasps can't finish third. So, say if Exeter yes. was Wasps, and then Wasps would go to Exeter the following week for a semi-final. I think there might be some maths around it, though. Like you say, if Wasps need to win to finish third, Exeter may well let them win. Yeah, because I think Exeter fancy a Bristol or a Sale probably a little bit more than they fancy a, a Wasps team that's going to run them all over the place and potentially be the only team that can challenge them if the game goes and turns into a bit of a shootout. Yeah, well, that happened a couple of seasons ago when we finished up at Newcastle, and it was almost like a gentleman's agreement that Newcastle would have Newcastle preferred to go to Exeter. And I think we decided we'd rather go, we'd, we'd fancy a crack at Saracens. Newcastle rested all their players. Wasps didn't. Wasps won quite comfortably and ended up finishing third. I know it didn't make any difference in the semi-final, but the, the school of thought was Wasps had more of a chance at Saracens and Exeter. And they, they gave a good account of themselves. I think that could well happen again. And Chiefs will know that um, they rested a load of players when we went down to Sandy Park last season when they'd already finished top. I know we weren't in the playoff race, um, but they got turned over. So they'll know that if they do rest some players, this is a team that can beat them. Yeah. Um, another thing to possibly factor in for the 4th of October game is, I'd, providing all goes well on Saturday, it sounds like there's a very good chance that the Wasp supporters, at least, might well be back in the ground for it. And um, if we're looking at sort of other teams in the top four race, that's why I quite fancy Quinns this weekend to, to do us a bit of a favour and take out Bath with the backing of whatever, having three and a half thousand, I think, are going to be allowed into the stoop on Saturday. Um, so this is why I think it, you know, it's almost a free hit for Wasps this weekend with the likelihood Saracens are going to name quite a strong side. So... Um, I think it's gonna. I think it will go to the end because I wouldn't completely rule Harlequins out yet with the fixtures they've got left. They 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 play both Bath and Wasps. I think they've still got to go to Leicester, um, and they've got London Irish, which is a home game for them at the moment. So you know they could potentially get on a bit of a roll, but their squad depth I think is quite flimsy. Mm. Uh, 
so they'll probably fall away. But I wouldn't. Com- I, I'd, I'd be more worried about them making a charge than Saints. I think if if both Wasps and Quins win this weekend, it gives us a huge a huge amount of breathing space. But I, I think it's going to be a tough game for Wasps. So mm-hmm. I, I would think that Quins could do us a favour. It'd be huge. Yeah. Um, and it probably takes the pressure off of us having to win three of the the last five. You could probably drop one of those and still sneak in. Uh, Bath have got some tough games. They've got to go to Sale and to Saracens, um, which you'd imagine they lose both of those. So if they lose to Quinns as well, it really puts Wasps in the driving seat. Um, I, think, I think they've got to play Gloucester, and Gloucester often, you know, you, that's, a, that's a game really where form goes out the window. Yes, and and Gloucester are dangerous. Yeah, yeah, you know, we saw against Leicester the amount of points they put up, and then they cruised and conceded a load afterwards. But you know, they they can be they can be dangerous, and you, it depends what Gloucester you get. But more often than not, you get a good Gloucester coming up against Bath. Yeah, yeah, you wonder as well from a. It, it, yeah, we've seen it from from Wasp's perspective a few times. When you lose a game like that, particularly at home, I know there's no supporters at the moment. It's one of the it, that felt one of those losses for, from a Bath side that they could potentially struggle to recover from. It's one of those that you either either galvanise as a team or it completely kills the season. Yeah, and I mean a loss this weekend, I think, would kill their season. Yeah, um, yeah. because that momentum would just be shot. Whether they can come out and do what Wasps did and, you know, hit back and have a really good performance, that will that will make a huge difference for them. I just think they lack some big players in big positions. I'm not sure Reese Priestland is the guy to lead your team on a real sort of comeback victory um, after being really beaten in a game that you should have, in, by all sort of reasoning, should have won uh, at home a mm. few days pr- before. Anyway, I think that's pretty much it from us today. Um, another great episode in the books. Big games coming up, as we said, against Saracens and and in some other matches. And I think that you know we'll have a couple more episodes between now and the playoffs, and uh, it should be a really interesting, uh, interesting end to the season. You're booking yourself in for the playoffs now. Well, my <laughs> season doesn't start until. Uh, till November so because of <laughs> coronavirus we've been sort of pushed back so I actually have um, apart from a two-week sort of training camp period where I, I will be in a place with very little wi-fi um, <laughs> I actually can watch the uh, the playoffs this year I, I like this summer rugby more of it more summer rugby definitely um, for me keep it away from proper sports season Um So, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and uh, we'll be back very, very soon. Join in the conversation on Twitter at The Wasp Report. Make sure you're following us on there. And, uh, yeah, you might get Rob or I replying to your your tweet. And um, depending on what kind of mood we're in, you might get a nice or a nasty response. So, um, no, we're we're usually pretty good tempered on there as long as you don't mention certain things like Craig Maxwell Keys. So yeah, uh, thank you ever so much for listening and uh, we'll be back very soon.